0: So it wasn't until we had the car about three or four months, I didn't realize about that it was involved in a fatality. And what had happened was when the VIN numbers were surrendered surrendered by Joe to DMV, okay, uh, the car matched the description of the car that did the damage. So we had a couple of state police people, uh, they were BCI people, come up and they wanted to know... If they could see the car. I said, absolutely. And I had already started to strip the sheet metal, the aluminum off of it because I just had to get it stripped down to the bare frame. So they looked at it and said, Could we take a paint sample? I said, Well, I'll just give you a piece of the car. So I cut a piece of the fender off and gave it to them. I said, What's the deal? Well, we can't tell you anything. I said, uh, Okay, I know there's something up here. So the guy said, Listen, I'll call you back and let you know what it's all about. So he called me about a month later. He says, Listen, the car's been involved in a fatality, getting run. And it actually killed the lady and really put another lady in a hospital serious. I says, well, I I don't know what to tell you. I got the car after that. He says, no, no, no. I I understand that. He says, but if you happen to stumble on anything, please let us know. So with that, okay, the project was take the car all apart, which I did. Um, I didn't know how I was going to buy the parts to put it back together because I didn't know how much it was going to cost.
1: Sam, let me let me let me jump in with a quick question for you, because uh, uh, of course now you've, you've, the car has been washed out, which I think is a great way to wash out a car. Uh, gives your local firemen to take care of it for you. When you're looking at the car, you see it now. Obviously, you have to be thinking in your mind what your time frame is. What what what's your time frame? You think that it'll take to put this car back where you where it's going to be? You know, obviously in a presentable condition and drivable. Did you have some, you know, some inkling or thoughts to it? You know, I guess I want to ask you overall, what was your initial game plan? Well,
0: when I, when I, when I first got the car, Steve, I, I had no idea how I was, was going to afford to buy the parts, or even if the parts were still available. So right after I did get the car stripped down, I called my friend who was the parts manager, the Ford dealer they used to work for. He was still there. And I said to him, I said, what, is Shelby still in business? He says, yeah. I told him what I had. He says, well i don't know about that he says all right i'll try so he called me back a couple of days later and he said listen do you have the vin number i says yeah why do you gotta have the vin number he says because the body panels are different for some of the cars they want to make sure you get that you get the right ones so i gave him the vin number i got everything that i needed and i didn't need the trunk lid so i got the two front vendors uh the two doors the hood and some of the inner aprons and stuff. Uh, which was really cool. And I don't mind telling you, Steve, I think that the total of all the all the fenders and everything, I think it came to under like seven hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, in today's and, world that's not quite it's not gonna be yeah. the same thing, yeah, by any by any means.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, the, and the thing was I was in the same predicament. I didn't know how I was gonna pay for it. So I and I told him, I said, but listen, I, I got an issue here about money. He says, Well, I could dance with this for a while until the owner catches up. He says, but you got to hurry. I said, all right, well, can you give me a week? He says, I'll, I'll do what I can. So I started hitting up my friends, my parents, and anybody else that I could borrow money from to get this $700 together to buy all each parts. So <laughs> I finally got it all together and it got all the parts. Well, it still didn't mean I was going to be able to do anything because I still had a long way to go. So I hung all the parts up in the garage and and the funny part is we're still in business we had a repair shop and i still had customers that were good friends so when i got the car all stripped down the frame was really the right side when they pulled it out of the river the problem was the dredge had done some serious damage to the frame rails on the right side one of the teeth in the dredge bucket poked a hole in the frame rail on the right side so when i got it all stripped down i brought it back up to the shop and A customer was a tombstone cutter by trade. He said to me, hey, what's that? I said, well, it's the car that I'm trying to build, but i got to get somebody to sandblast it. He said, no, I'll take care of it for you. That's what I do. I sandblast. So he cleans the car up to a point where now we can really see what the metal looked like. So I drag it back home, and now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to put the section of frame rail in. So as luck would have it, another customer, okay, who was a weld shop, and I called him, I said, listen, can you come here and take a look at this? So he came to my house, he looked at it, he says, yeah, I can replace that. It's four-inch high-pressure steam tubing. He said, I can do that for you, that won't be an issue. So I sent it to him, he had it for about a month. I said, no rush, he had it about a month, he charged me 200 bucks. He did a hell of a job, he did a real good job. So I get the car back, and now I'm getting excited because it's starting to look like I can get somewhere. in my business, now this is over a period of a couple years. So, my business is doing a lot better. So, now I can do a lot more with the car. So, then I figure, well, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and I'll start on the engine. I had already peeled the engine down and stripped everything out of it. And, Steve, I'll tell you, this is some of this stuff seems ironic, but it is what it is. When I took the engine apart, the only real serious damage, okay, other than the carburetors, was the fact that number one, number seven cylinder had some rust in it. We couldn't clean it. And hindsight now, I should have probably just sleeved that cylinder but i wound up boring the thing 30 over the parts interior parts it, it's got the same connecting rods in it it's got the same time and chain and gear set in it it's got the same push rods rocker arms i had to redo the heads because over the years i could see where we were heading with the unleaded fuel and don't forget the time frame moves along here two or three years at a time so I realized that we were going to get into unleaded fuel. By then, I had my own machine shop, and I used to do my engine dyno service and get everything else. So I did all the heads over. I put stainless steel valves in them, stellite valve seats. I did a, a good job. I knew where it was going, so I did a good job. New pistons, rings, bearings, okay, and obviously gaskets and stuff. It's got the original valve covers on it, the original intake manifold. Some of the throttle linkage is original the carburetors kind of like the bin tag okay really suffered because of the toxic the uh, water was in that area so it did a number on the carburetors i tried to have them rebuilt but nobody nobody wanted to do it so i was able to get a set of 550 cfm carburetors rebuilt and they weren't numbers matching but i could run the car so after i got The engine pretty much all done. I don't want to put it together until I'm ready for it. In the meantime, I have to move out of my house because now I have too many kids for the little house that we're in. So now I buy a farm. So I take the car to the farm, and there was a lot of work to be done on the buildings out there. So the Cobra wound up sitting in the chicken coop for probably about two years before I could get to it. Once I saw my way clear, I built a new building and was able to— bring the Cobra out of the chicken coop into the new building, and that's where I had my machine shop, my dino service and stuff. So I started on the car, getting real serious about it. But then the kids got older, which meant, okay, there was colleges and all that stuff, so the car gets put on the back burner again. So as we get along, all right, now it's just a matter of getting the kids married, which we did all that. It was probably around 1990. And we sold our repair shop, and I took a job, teacher for community college as an automotive instructor, and and that was a good thing for me, too. It it was a life change for me, and it gave me an opportunity to know where I was going to be headed with my life. So I started working on a car seriously, and I started buying parts, but then I found out it was getting more and more difficult to find parts because the parts were getting more and more scarce. But I did put... The body on the frame. Okay. I let me back up just a little bit. I wasn't quite sure of the frame if it was correct dimension-wise, because I didn't have a set of frame prints. All I was trying to do is go from side to side. So I, I was kind of hesitant. I didn't want us to hang the body panels on because Shelby was long gone by then. he was out of business. So I couldn't take the chance on, on hanging them on the wrong frame. So I Found a guy in connecticut that was a he that's all he worked on basically was was cobras and gt 40 so i made a deal with him to spec out the frame which he did he had it for quite a while a couple of years before i got it back i won't even tell you how much money it was because it was a lot but anyway i got it back all right and now i know the frame is right now i can start hanging body panels well i did body work pretty much all my life i liked that So what I did was I started fitting the panel. So I had to learn how to weld aluminum. So I learned how to weld aluminum. So I get the whole body complete. It's on the chassis and it looks good. So now I'm going to go through the suspension. So I made some of the parts weren't available. Like I still had the original shocks. They're Armstrong shocks, but they're very difficult to get rebuilt. There aren't too many people who want to get involved with them. So I wound up, changing them over and i put carrera coil overs on it which actually worked out pretty good but if i needed to i could go back to the original stuff once i got the suspension oh by the way it has the original brake pads the original calipers and the original rotors on the car one of the rotors we had to replace but other than that and of course i put new bearings in it and new seals and stuff i rebuilt the transmission and rebuilt the differential so any move movable part I either rebuilt or replaced with parts that I could find it got close to the end there, and i I knew I had to do something as far as getting the everything to fit correctly because it was so important, so I brought in a couple more people, friends all right, and they helped me, and these guys were masters at making things look good it wasn't that it was bad, it just said it needed finishing touches, so these guys took care of it and Here's another little story. The kid who painted the car used to be one of my students when I taught at the college. Him and I came to an agreement. I would build him a 302 for his Mustang if he paint my Cobra. He bought all the parts for the for his engine. I bought all the paint for the Cobra. That's the paint you see on it today, and it's been on there since 2003 or four. So as we moved along with it. I never paid it. I didn't pay a lot of attention to the price because it didn't matter. That wasn't the reason for the buying the car. But my friends just always put the heat on me. Hey, when are you going to sell the Barnacle? You know, you make a lot of money. I said, I didn't build it to make money. I built it to drive. I think it was in 2014, I was able to take it out. Virginia International Raceway, we, there was a meet that day, S-A-A-C, which is a club that I belong to. They were spending a the weekend there. So I said, Well, I guess I'll go over. I lived at Myrtle Beach at the time. myself, said, I'll drag it over there and see what we got. People were great. People were really great. And and they, they knew a lot about the car. It's really funny because I guess it's a pretty tight group. But so we got the car to go out on the track and, and we got out in parade laps. And I said to the guy before we get on the track, How fast can you go? He said, Just don't run over anybody in front of you. I says, Well, okay, I'll Try to remember that. So there was a guy with a new new Mustang in front of me, and I, I was just following him, and he was going as fast as I wanted to go. It was pretty quick. So he went, and he got off the track, and it was just myself and a couple other people behind me, and I didn't want to hold up traffic. So I started to really lean on it pretty heavy. So at around, I don't know, 135 or 140, my wife is banging me at her ribs, you know, stop, stop, you're going to kill us so and the car had so much more give i know it did but at that point in time that was as good as it was going to get for me it it was an enjoyable it was an enjoyable weekend because of the people there i i learned a lot more about cobras you know people say you know a lot about cobras i said no i don't know a lot about cobras i know a lot about this cobra and and, and they would take that with a grain of salt, I guess, and say, geez, well, then I guess she must know about other ones. I, I can only tell you what I know about this one. If it's the same with the other ones, then I know that. So as it went along, you know, we are in Myrtle Beach for a couple of years, and I used to drive the car and bring to car shows. I just enjoyed bringing the car out, let people look at it and tell the story that I'm telling you today. And, you know, it, it was funny how people – know about things like this i i don't know maybe it was because the the articles in the magazines Uh, i don't know but it got a lot of exposure i i don't remember what year exactly it was but we got an invitation from ford to bring the car up to hershey and we we actually put it in their pavilion and we stayed with the car and and explained the situation with the car to people anybody that wanted to know which i really appreciated and and again the people were were outstanding just to talk to it was really good and, and you know that i i think i'll probably skipping a lot of stuff but I, I i just can't remember it all because it was so long ago so i i guess uh if you got any questions i'll be willing to field them if i can
1: no no i i have a i do have a few but I guess what you should probably should say is you probably should have said that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> no, no, it's a great story. It's a great car story. I don't know if we really formally said what this car is. I know you've said oh. Cobra. Well, you've said Cobra a few times in the cover of the magazine from Hemmings. It's called the River Snake. Now I don't that's know. Funny. I don't know if that's really the official, other than Barnacle, which is something I just learned. But um, it's actually kind of, of course, because the history of the car being in the water and such. But I I know you mentioned that you went out on VIR with it. How often, I mean, you you go to a couple of car shows with it, but has that really been the only use you've had with the car? I mean, just a couple of car shows. You know, have you taken it to other tracks? Um, Have you kind of, you know, put on the helmet a little bit and kind of, let's just, as you say, lean into it a little bit? uh, You know, or, or have you let anybody else drive it?
0: Actually, uh, no one else has driven a car except the guy who stole it and the original owner, as far as I know. No one else has been behind a wheel. I'll tell you another little story, little sidebar here. We met Carol Shelby up in in Saratoga, New York, Saratoga Auto Museum, and he was up there for one of the events. We had an invitation to go there because of the Cobra. So I got a chance to talk to him a little bit, and it's really funny because there was some stories i read later and i don't know maybe it was something that he used to say all the time and and he said to me he says let me tell you he said when you get the car done learn to respect it an awful lot because as soon as you lose that respect it'll kill you and and i gotta tell you steve the car is brutal and i remember when i worked for the ford dealer when we used to bring the cobras in they used to be flown in from the west coast and we have to go down to new york and pick them up and we had to bring gas and oil because they came in dry, and we drive them back up the throughway to the Ford dealer. I can remember servicing one one day, and I'd say, How bad can this really be? You know, I mean, I drove hot rods and stuff like that. Steve, this car is is a killer. Uh, they're all all the Cobra big blocks are killers because unless you're prepared and unless you know, in a blink of an eye, you'd be dead. You got to understand back in the day, The tires that they were running on, you're you're talking about a 2,300-pound car with a good 475 horsepower over 500 foot-pounds of torque, and the tires were only five inches wide. So I don't care what gear you were in. If you leaned into it and opened up all eight barrels, okay, it started to smoke tires. I had a customer's car that at 80 miles an hour and fourth gear, stand on the throttle and break the back tires loose. Because of the technology back, the tires couldn't keep up with the car. But Shelby, I remember that Shelby said that, and then I read an article later, and he kind of said the same thing to somebody else. If you lose your concentration, you're dead.
1: I'll tell you a little, a little side story. Obviously, the very first, very first Cobra went to Carroll Shelby. The second one went to a well, who became an infamous. Uh, he was a comedian, TV star. He be kind of he became a little infinite infamous. Well, my producers tell me I should go ahead and say it. It was it was Bill Cosby. Yeah. He actually he actually had number he had the number two, uh, 427, and apparently as Steve, I understand,
0: Steve, just just to just to stop you for a minute, you know, both those cars were supercharged.
1: And you're right. I left that little that little nugget out. But as I understand it, he got in the car, put the key in the ignition, started it says and turn it off immediately get it out of the car he hands the keys back to whoever the representative is or shall be american and says i don't want it can't do it he ended up going ahead and doing an entire comedy record album called 200 miles an hour (laughs) uh it's actually quite funny i mean i I hate to say but it was quite funny because the this this was done back in the 60s and late 60s and 70s i guess is when they when it was actually recorded the sad note, as I understand, is that the next person who did get the car, he died a few months later as he did wrap the car around a tree. As they yes. say, this one, this is a car that can get away from you in a blink of an eye. It's not where it's just going to bump into something. It's going to hit something hard. So oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it is difficult. So uh, I was kind of curious how often you might drive it because, uh, you know, of course— here we we haven't had, <laughs> I've hidden the keys so nobody gets a chance to drive it, but uh, at the same time we kind of look at that car and we go, how is it going? How does that car feel to sit in it and just to have it idle? Obviously at idle it, it, it kind of threw Bill Cosby for a loop, so you got to realize it is it is a true fire breather, and so <laughs> uh, I'm kind of I was, so I'm kind of curious when you're here. I'm hoping that we can kind of at least uh, have you start it so people can hear it and kind of. You know because this is a car that people rarely get to see much less here and so and i've also i would love to be able to offer people rides but i don't know how much money that would take for me to get to you to do that so we'll let that part (laughs) slide we'll let that slide so but uh no we're so we're really looking forward to having you come talk with the panel and of course at the same time we've got uh, we we you know we got some other folks we've got uh, the the Shelby uh, 003 which is the first street Shelby uh we've got some neat things going on at the same time when you're going to be here so we'll have quite a bit of Shelby activity including the new exhibit of Shelby cars which your car will be part of uh, set aside to kind of really give people a full feature of your car and so I really want to thank you for uh, for loaning it to us
0: thank you for the invitation
1: it's just one of those cars that uh, you know. I, I know when <laughs> I know when we do uh, unveil it and we are able to kind of put on display, we're going to have a lot of folks drooling about it. You know, you get to read about the 289s and the kit cars. Well, this is this is the real McCoy, folks. This is going to be it with a 427, and the car is immaculate. You recently had a gentleman come out to help appraise it a little bit, so we had you know, had a chance to listen to him a bit, and he was thoroughly impressed with the car. So. uh, I'm sure uh, between your workmanship and what you've done to restore the car, and of course, like you said, the photos just show that the car was just, it was just basically like a wrangled piece of mess uh, is really what it was. It's like, you know, it's almost like how do you put, how do you start untwisting this thing so that you can kind of at least see what you have? If you would, my last question about it is how long did it take from the start to where you turned the ignition and you had everything done with the paint, the body suspensions, all that. How long did that time period take for you to have the car ready to go?
0: 42 years.
1: That, folks, is determination. <laughs> <laughs> and also a very understanding wife, because i got to tell you, not a lot of guys would, allow, would be allowed to have a car for 42 years, much less work on a car for 42 years. I think when you have a chance to come see this, you'll see the work. workmanship certainly paid off. It's a beautiful car. And if you can come, while, uh, obviously, while Sam is here, we're expecting to see some Shelby folks here that uh, that weekend, so I appreciate it. Thank you, and uh, we look forward to, like I said, look forward to having you here as our guest, so we'll see you soon.
0: Thank you very much, Steve. Welcome to the Mustang Owner's Podcast. And now your host, Steve Hall.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Mustang Owner's Podcast. I'm Steve Hall, the executive director of the Mustang Owners Museum, and uh, as if you don't already know, we're located one mile away from Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Today's guest is not a Mustang guy, but he is certainly a Ford guy and certainly a Shelby guy. And uh, we're going to talk to to Sam Prock about his car, his story. It's an incredible car story, so much so that even Hemmings wrote an article about it and put the car on the cover. So, with that, I'd like to introduce uh, Sam, and welcome to our podcast.
0: Thank you very much, Steve. Um, it, you're right; it's kind of a long story. And if I could quote my wife, give them the Reader's Digest version.
1: Well, sometimes, sometimes the Reader's Digest is, is fine, but you know, the car guys—they probably going to—we're probably going to want to get a little bit more out of you certain little details. Uh, I, I should preface the conversation to, to all of our listeners in that um we've had your car on display since the end of you're gonna have to help me was it the end of october or september
0: i i think it might have been october Steve. okay we brought the car there yep
1: yeah unfortunately i was here otherwise i'd probably say "Hey, let me go give, give me a ride in yeah. this thing but anyway sure. we had the car here and with plans for it to be on display in april so we have it here, but it's been covered. And we've had all kinds of people look at it and say, oh, I know what it is. It must be this. It must be that. i got to be honest with you, Sam. I've had a couple of people say, hey, is it for sale? So I said, uh, no, I don't think so. But if it is, I want commission. <laughs> so uh, no but I, but i know people are really excited to see this so with that i'm kind of teased a little bit i know you're going to tell people what it is and that's absolutely fine uh we will unveil a car on uh, april 15th at the uh, national mustang day event at the museum and of course you will be on hand to talk about the car uh to our guests also but uh I've kind of laid out the groundwork of things, but uh, obviously I want to get to the story because that's the meat of our conversation. So I'm hoping, uh, if you don't mind, let's you know, start from the beginning when you get the, you get the phone call from a, uh, I, I don't know what you call it, a, a demolition company or a drage company or what have well, you, and go from there.
0: Actually, Steve, I'll start even before that. I'll, I'll kind of give you the reason why and how I got the car, which was, that in itself was kind of unique. Uh, Back in 64 or 65, myself and two other buddies worked for a Ford dealer, and he actually was a distributor for Shelby at the time. So I had a lot of exposure to the GT350s, the 500s, the KRs, pretty much everything, and once in a while, a Cobra. So, uh, and, and as the story goes, what happened was the dealer okay ford actually changed the dealer's location because there was too many dealers in the albany area they sent them up river about 15 miles to troy new york home of uncle sam by the way so uh while we were up there we worked we still worked on gt350s and a couple of cobras it was really it was it was good and we wanted to make a break away from the ford dealership we were fortunate that we had uh we used to do a lot of work for used car people. So they said, oh, go to work for yourself. So we made the break and we went for ourselves. We used to buy parts from, from a parts guy. He had a little tiny parts store. It was a little little tiny village, and this guy was the do-all of everything for the village. He was the parts store guy, the gas station guy, the tow truck guy. He was everything. So, And we used to buy our parts from him, and it was kind of unique because we'd go over there and everything was on a first-name basis. And I'll try to summarize this. So what happened, I went over there one day, and I saw the car out in front. And how he wound up with the car was the car was actually dumped in the, in the Erie Canal in Waterford, New York, Block 6. And what had happened, I'll back up on the story a little bit. About 1968, I'm going to say, the car was stolen from a businessman in Albany. Uh, in that process, it wound up in a fatality hit and run killed a lady and put another lady in hospital. And, Steve, the funny part about this whole thing is this is still an open case. It was never solved. But anyway, the car was dumped in the canal, and every year, or I guess about every year, the, the state would send the divers down with the dredge, and, and they have to clear the debris out from the lock so the boats could go through. Well, the Cobra happened to be down at the bottom with four other cars. So they scooped the cars out, and there wasn't anything about saving the cars or making them look good. They just scooped them out. They had a big dredge, and they just throw them on the shore. So my friend Joe, the parts guy, would have to tow the cars away. Now, he couldn't actually sell the cars until they actually could identify who the cars belonged to. That's kind of where I came in. So I went over to his place one day, and I saw the car out there, and I, and I said to him, Joe, what's the deal? He says, ah, oh, we can't find those serial numbers on the car. He says, it's an MG, right? I said, no, I, I don't think so. I said, but I'll get the numbers for you. So I went, and the identification numbers and cobras were on the right foot box, and it's an it's aluminum tag, and it's got Shelby American on it, and it had the number. But the tag was gone because the water in that around that lock area was so caustic because of the industry that it just ate up the aluminum tag. The rivets were still there. The tag was gone. but. I knew where the VIN numbers were. They were stamped in a chassis in three or four spots. So I got him the VIN numbers and stuff, and he was really happy about that because he had the car for two weeks. He was just trying to get rid of the thing. So I went back in a couple days later, and I said, how'd you make out? He says, oh, we're good. We're going to scrap it. I said, oh, cool. Uh, how about how about I buy it from you? He looked at me kind of funny. He says, are you crazy? I said, no, no. I, I'd like to buy the car from you. The only, Steve, the only piece of sheet metal or aluminum that wasn't damaged. It was the trunk lid. Everything else was destroyed. So he said, okay, uh, how, much, how much are you willing to pay? I says, no, how much do you want? He said, well, you know, I have storage and towing. I says, give me a number. He said, $370. Uh, I said, all right, you got a deal. But you got to know this. I can't pay you all at one time because I don't have enough money. He said, oh, that's okay. Just get the junk out of here. So I dragged it over to my repair shop. And when I dragged it over, I got so much heat from all my friends and hot rod buddies. Oh man, what are you going to do with that? I said, well, I know, I know. At one point in time, that this car was the fastest, this particular model of car, make car, were the fastest cars on the planet. So I don't know. Maybe I can fix it. So, <laughs> and Steve, if you saw the car, you just it goes without explanation. You you can't even describe how bad it was. But anyway. The car sat out on a trailer that I had, and everybody would always comment on the car. Of course, my wife, she didn't know anything what was going on at the time, and I guess that was good because we had two little kids running around. Uh, So what happens is I'm out there one day with the hose trying to clean the car out, and a couple of our customers happen to be firemen. So they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to get all the crud out of the car here so I can bring it home. Oh, uh, we'll take care of that. How are you going to do that? They went down, they got their pumper. They come back up with their pumper. They hook up to the hydrant. They definitely cleaned the car out. So I let it dry for a couple of days before I dragged it home. And when I dragged it home and brought it up in the driveway and my little kids are running running around, my wife said, what is that? I said, I just want to fix this car. You know What kind is it? I said, well, it's not really important. I, I just need a project. Right. Well, she found out later how much I paid for the car, and she rained on me very bad. You know, you paid $370? She said, the thing is a barnacle. So that name actually stuck with it for a long time. People would ask me, hey, how's the barnacle coming? So it wasn't until we had the car about three or four months, I didn't realize about that it was involved in fatality. And what had happened was when the VIN numbers were surrendered surrendered by Joe to DMV, okay, uh, the car matched the description of the car that did the damage. So we had a couple of state police people, uh, their BCI people, come up and they wanted to know. If if they could see the car. I said, absolutely. And I had already started to strip the sheet metal, the aluminum off of it because I just had to get it stripped down to the bare frame. So they looked at it and said, Could we take a paint sample? I said, Well, I'll just give you a piece of the car. So I cut a piece of the fender off and gave it to them. I said, What's the deal? Well, we can't tell you anything. I said, uh, Okay, I know there's something up here. So the guy said, Listen, I'll call you back and let you know what it's all about. So he called me about a month later. He says, Listen, the car's been involved in a fatality, getting run. And it actually killed the lady and really put another lady in a hospital serious. I says, well, I I don't know what to tell you. I got the car after that. He says, no, no, no. I I understand that. He says, but if you happen to stumble on anything, please let us know. So with that, okay, the project was take the car all apart, which I did. Um, I didn't know how I was going to buy the parts to put it back together because I didn't know how much it was going to cost.
1: Sam, let me, let, me, let me jump in with a quick question for you, because uh, uh, of course now you've, you've, the car has been washed out, which I think is a great way to wash out a car, uh, gives your local firemen to take care of it for you. When you're looking at the car, you see it now, obviously you have to be thinking in your mind what your time frame is. What, what, what's your time frame you think that it'll take to put this car back where, you, where it's going to be you know, obviously in a presentable condition and drivable? Did you have some, you know, some inkling or thoughts to it? You know, I guess I want to ask overall, what was your initial game plan?
0: Well, when I when I, when I I first got the car, Steve, I, I had no idea how I was, was going to afford to buy the parts, or even if the parts were still available. So right after I did get the car stripped down, I called my friend who was the parts manager, the Ford dealer they used to work for. He was still there. And I said to him, I said, what, is Shelby still in business? He says, yeah. I told him what I had. He says, well, I don't know about that. He says, all right, I'll try. So he called me back a couple of days later, and he said, listen, do you have the VIN number? I says, yeah. Why do you got to have the VIN number? He says, because the body panels are different for some of the cars. They want to make sure you get that you get the right ones. So I gave him the VIN number. I got everything that I needed, and I didn't need the trunk lid, so I got the two front vendors, uh, the two doors, the hood, and some of the inner aprons and stuff. Uh, which was really cool. And I don't mind telling you, Steve, I think that the total of all the all the fenders and everything, I think it came to under like $700. <laughs>
1: having, yeah. Yeah, in today's and, world, that's not quite, not going to be yeah. the same thing yeah, by, by any means. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: And, and, the, and the thing was, I was in the same predicament. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. So I And I told him, I said, but listen, I, I got an issue here about money. He says, well, I could dance with this for a while until the owner catches up he says but you gotta hurry i said all right well can you give me a week he says I'll, I'll do what i can so i started hitting up my friends my parents and anybody else that i could borrow money from to get this 700 together to buy all each parts. so <laughs> i finally got it all together and it got all the parts well it still didn't mean i was going to be able to do anything because i still had a long way to go so i hung all the parts up in the garage uh, and, and the funny part is that we're still in business. We had a repair shop and I still had customers that were good friends. So when I got the car all stripped down, the frame was really the right side. When they pulled it out of the river, the problem was the dredge had done some serious damage to the frame rails on the right side. One of the teeth in the dredge bucket poked a hole in the frame rail on the right side. So when I got it all stripped down, I brought it back up to the shop and. A customer was a tombstone cutter by trade. He said to me, hey, what's that? I said, well, it's the car that I'm trying to build, but i got to get somebody to sandblast it. He said, no, I'll take care of it for you. I, I, that's what I do. I sandblast. So he cleans the car up to a point where now we could really see what the metal looked like. So I drag it back home, and now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to put the section of frame rail in. So as luck would have it, another customer, okay, who was a weld shop, and I called him. I said, listen, can you come here and take a look at this? So he came to my house. He looked at it. He says, yeah, I can replace that. It's four-inch high-pressure steam tubing. He said, I can do that for you. That won't be an issue. So I sent it to him. He had it for about a month. I said, no rush. He had it about a month. He charged me 200 bucks. He did a hell of a job. He did a real good job. So I get the car back, and now I'm getting excited because it's starting to look like I can get somewhere. in my business, now this is over a period of a couple of years. So, my business is doing a lot better. So, now I can do a lot more with the car. So, then I figure, well, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and I'll start on the engine. I had already peeled the engine down and stripped everything out of it. And, Steve, I'll tell you, this is some of this stuff seems ironic, but it is what it is. When I took the engine apart, the only real serious damage, okay, other than the carburetors, was the fact that number one, number seven cylinder had some rust in it. We couldn't clean it. And hindsight now, I should have probably just sleeved that cylinder, but I wound up boring the thing 30 over. The parts, interior parts, it, it's got the same connecting rods in it. It's got the same timing and chain and gear set in it. It's got the same push rods, rocker arms. I had to redo the heads because over the years I could see where we were heading with the unleaded fuel. And don't forget the time frame moves along here two or three years at a time. So I realized that we were gonna get into unleaded fuel. By then, I had my own machine shop and I used to do my engine dyno service and get everything else. So I did all the heads over. I put stainless steel valves in them, stellite valve seats. I did a, a good job. I knew where it was going, so I did a good job. New pistons, rings, bearings, okay, and obviously gaskets and stuff. It's got the original valve covers on it, the original intake manifold. Some of the throttle linkage is original the carburetors kind of like the bin tag okay really suffered because of the how toxic the uh, water was in that area so it did a number on the carburetors i tried to have them rebuilt but nobody nobody wanted to do it so i was able to get a set of 550 cfm carburetors rebuilt and they weren't numbers matching but i could run the car so after i got The engine pretty much all done. I don't want to put it together until I'm ready for it. In the meantime, I have to move out of my house because now I have too many kids for the little house that we're in. So now I buy a farm. So I take the car to the farm, and there was a lot of work to be done on the buildings out there. So the Cobra wound up sitting in a chicken coop for probably about two years before I could get to it. Once I saw my way clear, I built a new building and was able to— Bring the Cobra out of the chicken coop into the new building, and that's where I had my machine shop, my dyno service, and stuff. So I started on the car, getting real serious about it. But then the kids got older, which meant okay, there was colleges and all that stuff, so the car gets put on the back burner again. So as we get along, all right, now it's just a matter of getting the kids married, which we did. All that it was probably around 1990. And we sold our repair shop and I took a job teacher for community college as an automotive instructor. And, and that was a good thing for me too. It, it was a life change for me. And it gave me an opportunity to know where I was going to be headed with my life. So I started working on a car seriously and I started buying parts, but then I found out it was getting more and more difficult to find parts because the car the parts were getting more and more scarce. But I did put the body on the frame. Okay. I let me back up just a little bit. I wasn't quite sure of the frame if it was correct dimension-wise, because I didn't have a set of frame prints. All I was trying to do is go from side to side. So I I was kind of hesitant. I didn't want us to hang the body panels on because Shelby was long gone by then. He was out of business. So I couldn't take the chance on on hanging them on the wrong frame. So I Found a guy in Connecticut that was a he that's all he worked on basically was was Cobras and GT40. So I made a deal with him to spec out the frame, which he did. He had it for quite a while a couple of years before I got it back. I won't even tell you how much money it was because it was a lot. But anyway, I got it back. All right. And now I know the frame is right. Now I can start hanging body panels. Well, I did body work pretty much all my life. I liked that. So what I did was I started fitting the panel. So I had to learn how to weld aluminum. So I learned how to weld aluminum. So I get the whole body complete. It's on the chassis and it looks good. So now I'm going to go through the suspension. So I made some of the parts weren't available. Like I still had the original shocks. They're Armstrong shocks, but they're very difficult to get rebuilt. There aren't too many people who want to get involved with them. So I wound up, Changing them over, and I put Carrera coilovers on it, which actually worked out pretty good. But if I needed to, I could go back to the original stuff. Once I got the suspension, oh, by the way, it has the original brake pads, the original calipers, and the original rotors on the car. One of the rotors we had to replace. But other than that, and of course, I put new bearings in it and new seals and stuff. I rebuilt the transmission and rebuilt the differential. So any movable part. I either rebuilt or replaced with parts that I could find. It got close to the end there, and I, I knew I had to do something as far as getting the everything to fit correctly because it was so important. So I brought in a couple more people, friends, all right. And they helped me, and these guys were masters at making things look good. It, it wasn't that it was bad, it just said it needed finishing touches. So these guys took care of it and Here's another little story. The kid who painted the car used to be one of my students when I taught at the college. Him and I came to an agreement. I would build him a 302 for his Mustang if he paint my Cobra. He bought all the parts for the for his engine. I bought all the paint for the Cobra. That's the paint you see on it today, and it's been on there since 2003 or 4. So as we moved along with it. I never paid it. I didn't pay a lot of attention to the price because it didn't matter. That wasn't the reason for buying the car. But my friends just always put the heat on me. Hey, when you're gonna when you're gonna sell the Barnacle? You know, you make a lot of money. I said I didn't build it to make money. I built it to drive. I think it was in 2014. I was able to take it out Virginia International Raceway. We there was a meet that day. S A A C, which is a club that I belong to. They were spending a the weekend there, so I said, "Well, I guess I'll go over." I lived at Myrtle Beach at the time myself, drag it over there, and see what we got. People were great. People were really great, and and they they knew a lot about the car. It's really funny because I guess it's a pretty tight group, but so we got the car to go out on the track, and and we got out in parade laps. And I said to the guy before we get on the track, "How fast can you go?" He said, "Just don't run over anybody in front of you." I says, "Well, okay, I'll." try to remember that so there was a guy with a new new Mustang in front of me and I, I was just following him and he was going as fast as I wanted to go it was pretty quick so he went and he got off the track and it was just myself and a couple other people behind me and I didn't want to hold up traffic so I started to really lean on it pretty heavy so at around I don't know 135 or 140 my wife is banging me her ribs you know stop stop you're gonna kill us so and the car had so much more give i know it did but at that point in time that was as good as it was going to get for me it it was an enjoyable it was an enjoyable weekend because of the people there i i learned a lot more about cobras you know people say you know a lot about cobras i said no i don't know a lot about cobras i know a lot about this cobra and 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 they would take that with a grain of salt, I guess, and say, geez, well, then I guess she must know about other ones. I I can only tell you what I know about this one. If it's the same with the other ones, then I know that. So as it went along, you know, we were in Myrtle Beach for a couple of years, and I used to drive the car and bring to car shows. I just enjoyed bringing the car out, let people look at it and tell the story that I'm telling you today. And, you know, it it was funny how people – know about things like this. I, I don't know. Maybe it was because of the, the articles in the magazines. Uh, I don't know. But it got a lot of exposure. I, I don't remember what year exactly it was, but we got an invitation from Ford to bring the car up to Hershey. And we, we actually put it in their pavilion. And we stayed with the car and, and explained the situation with the car to people, anybody that wanted to know, which I really appreciated. And And again, the people were were outstanding just to talk to it was really good and, and you know that i i think i'll probably skip in a lot of stuff but I, I i just can't remember it all because it was so long ago so i uh, i guess uh if you got any questions i'll be willing to field them if i can
1: no no i i have a i do have a few but I guess what you probably should say is, you probably should have said, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, okay. Because, <laughs> no, no, it's a great story. It's a great car story. I don't know if we really formally said what this car is. I know you've said, oh. Cobra. Well, you've said Cobra a few times. In the cover of the magazine from Hemmings. it's called the River Snake. Now, I don't, know, I don't know if that's really the official, other than Barnacle, which is something I just learned. But um, it's actually kind of, of course, because the history of the car being in the water and such. But I I know you mentioned that you went out on VIR with it. How often, I mean, and you go to a couple of car shows with it, but has that really been the only use you've had with the car? I mean, just a couple of car shows, you know, have you taken it to other tracks? Um, Have you kind of, you know, put on the helmet a little bit and kind of, let's just, as you say, lean into it a little bit, uh, you know, or, or have you let anybody else drive it?
0: actually uh, no one else has driven a car except the guy who stole it and the original owner as far as i know no one else has been behind the wheel i'll tell you another little story a little sidebar here we met carol shelby up in in Saratoga, new york Saratoga auto museum and he was up there for one of the events we had an invitation to go there because of the cobra so i got a chance to talk to him a little bit and it's really funny because there was some stories I read later, and I don't know, maybe it was something that he used to say all the time. And, and he said to me, he says, let me tell you, he said, when you get the car done, learn to respect it an awful lot. Because as soon as you lose that respect, it'll kill you. And and I got to tell you, Steve, the car is brutal. And I remember when I worked for the Ford dealer, when we used to bring the Cobras in, they used to be flown in from the West Coast. And we have to go down to New York and pick them up. And we had to bring gas and oil because they came in dry, and we drive them back up the throughway to the Ford dealer. I can remember servicing one one day, and I'd say, How bad can this really be? You know, I mean, I drove hot rods and stuff like that. Steve, this car is is a killer. Uh, they're all, all the Cobra big blocks for killers because unless you're prepared and unless you know in a blink of an eye, you'd be dead. You got to understand back in the day, The tires that they were running on, you're you're talking about a 2,300-pound car with a good 475 horsepower over 500 foot-pounds of torque, and the tires were only five inches wide. So I don't care what gear you were in. If you leaned into it and opened up all eight barrels, okay, it started to smoke tires. I had a customer's car that at 80 miles an hour and fourth gear, stand on the throttle. And break the back tires loose because of the technology back, the tires couldn't keep up with the car. But Shelby, I remember that Shelby said that, and then I read an article later, and he kind of said the same thing to somebody else. If you lose your concentration, you're dead.
1: I'll tell you a little, a little side story. Obviously, the very first very first Cobra went to Carroll Shelby. The second one went to a well, who became an infamous. Yeah, uh, he was a comedian, TV star. He became he became a little infinite, infamous. Well, my producers tell me I should go ahead and say it. It was it was Bill Cosby. Yeah. He actually, he actually had number he had the number two, uh, four twenty seven, and apparently, as Steve, I understand, Steve, just just to
0: just to stop you for a minute, you know, both those cars were supercharged.
1: And you're right. I left that little that little nugget out. But as I understand it, he got in the car, put the key in the ignition, started it. And turn it off immediately. Get it out of the car. And hands the keys back to whoever the representative is, or shall be American, and says, "I don't want it. Can't do it." He ended up going ahead and doing an entire re- comedy record album called "200 Miles an Hour." Uh, it's actually quite funny. I mean, I, I hate to say, it, but it was quite funny. because the, this this was done back in the '60s and late '60s and '70s, I guess, is when they, when they, it was actually recorded. The sad note, as I understand is that the next person who did get the car, he died a few months later. As he did wrap the car around a tree. As they yes. say, this one, this is a car that can get away from you in a blink of an eye. It's not, Laura. It's just going to bump into something. It's going to hit something hard. So, oh, yeah. uh, it's it's it is difficult. So uh, I was kind of curious how often you might drive it because uh, you know, of course. Here we we haven't under- <laughs> I've hidden the keys so nobody gets a chance to drive it, but uh, at the same time we kind of look at that car and we go, how is it going? How does that car feel to sit in it and just to have it idle? Obviously at idle it, it, it kind of threw Bill Cosby for a loop, so you got to realize it is it is a true fire breather, and so <laughs> uh, I'm kind of i was, so I'm kind of curious when you're here. I'm hoping that we can kind of at least uh, have you start it so people can hear it and kind of you know, because this is a car that people rarely get to see, much less hear. And so, and I've also, I would love to be able to offer people rides, but I don't know how much money that would take for me to get to you to do that. So we'll let that part (laughs) slide. We'll let that slide. So, but, uh, you know, so we're really looking forward to having you come talk with the panel. And of course, at the same time, we've got... uh, we you know we've got some other folks we've got uh, the the Shelby zero uh, zero three which is the first street Shelby, uh, we've got some neat things going on at the same time when you're going to be here so we'll have quite a bit of Shelby activity, including the new exhibit of Shelby cars which your car will be part of uh, set aside to kind of really give people a full feature of your car, and so I really want to thank you for uh, for loaning it to us.
0: Thank you for the invitation.
1: It's just one of those cars that uh, you know I, I know when. <laughs> I know when we do unveil it and we are able to kind of put it on display, we're going to have a lot of folks drooling about it. You know, you get to read about the two eighty nines and the kit cars. Well, this is this is the real McCoy, folks. This is going to be it with a four twenty seven, and the car is immaculate. You recently had a gentleman come out to help appraise it a little bit, so we had you know, had a chance to listen to him a bit, and he was thoroughly impressed with the car. So I I'm sure uh, between your workmanship. And what you've done to restore the car, and of course, the, like you said, the photos just show that the car was just, it was just basically like a wrangled piece of mess, uh, the, as, <laughs> is really what it was. It's like, you know, it's almost like a, how do you put, how do you start untwisting this thing so that you can kind of at least see what you have. If you would, though, my last question about it is how long did it take from the start to where you turned the ignition and it, you had everything done with the paint, the body suspensions, all that. How long did that time period take for you to have the car ready to go?
0: 42 years
1: that folks is determination <laughs> and also a very understanding wife because i gotta tell you not a lot of guys would allow would be allowed to have a car for 42 years much less work on a car for 42 years i think when you have a chance to come see this you'll see the work workmanship certainly paid off it's a beautiful car and if you can come well uh, obviously while sam is here we're expecting to see some Shelby folks here that, uh, that weekend. So I appreciate it. Thank you. And, uh, we look forward to, like I said, look forward to having you here as our guest. So we'll see you soon.
0: Thank you very much, Steve.
1: We hope you've enjoyed listening to another episode of the Mustang owners podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. So you won't miss any episodes for more information on the museum, please go to mustangownersmuseum.com and you'll find additional information on upcoming events.